Good morning. Grace and peace to you, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, as we contemplate your word and what it has to say to us, we pray that you would uh, continue to bless us with your gospel, and we pray that you would continue to bless us with all of the abundant gifts that you have in mind for us, especially the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, which changed everything for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, the basic storyline of our reading from John chapter 7 that Latira just read for us, the basic storyline is fairly simple. The story starts in Galilee, which is the northern region of Israel. And as the chapter opens, we see that Jesus had been traveling around Galilee because he knew that the Jewish leaders in Judea, which is the southern region of Israel, he knew that those Jewish leaders were already uh, set out to kill him. And John 5, earlier, tells us why they thought they needed to kill Jesus. The Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, it says, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So this is why the Jewish leaders in Judea were looking to kill him. Apparently they didn't bother going up to Galilee to get him. I guess they weren't that desperate yet, I'm not sure. But uh, that's the way the situation opens. And then we realize that Jesus wasn't exactly laying low or hiding out in Galilee when he was up there. Uh, Rather, he had gone about Galilee performing miracles and teaching people about who he was. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, tells us that in Galilee, news spread quickly over the whole region about who Jesus was. So he wasn't laying low. And Jesus was doing the same thing, as it turns out, in Galilee that he had been doing in Judea. The same thing that got him in so much trouble, as it turns out. But our story gets really interesting this morning as Jesus had a rather pointed conversation with his unbelieving brothers. It seems that his brothers were on their way to Judea, specifically to Jerusalem, so that they could attend the Feast of the Tabernacles. And a few quick words about the Feast of the Tabernacles will sort of help understand the story here. You see, in the first century Jewish community, the Feast of the Tabernacles was one of the bigs. It was the important festival that everybody should go to. Its origins were as ancient as the Passover itself, and the instructions for this festival are found in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus, so the what's and the how's and the why's of it are all there in the Word of God. As it turns out, this is an eight-day festival held each year in Jerusalem in the fall, in the month that we call October. And all the Jewish males, at the very least, were required to attend. And so whoever did attend would set up temporary huts or temporary tents around Jerusalem. And these temporary huts were called tabernacles. So now you understand why the feast is named the Festival of Tabernacles, because Jerusalem would be filled with them during this time of the year. More importantly, though, the stated purpose for this festival is twofold. First and foremost, this was to be a time when the people recounted with joy how God had been with their ancestors as they wandered the desert so long ago. And they were to recount how God had been not only been with them, but had been caring for them, protecting them, providing for them along the way. And the second purpose of this festival then was to remember with joy how God had just brought in a good crop, a good harvest. That's why this was a fall festival Now, much more could be said about this festival, but suffice it to say that the festival participants were to give their attention to the abundance of blessings which God had been providing from generation to generation right up to that very day. 
And then Jesus' brothers supposedly wanted him to go with them to this festival. Now, it looks to me like they were taunting Jesus. Uh, in any event, I think you can see the, the tension that sort of builds in this conversation. Essentially, his brothers were encouraging Jesus to make a career move of sorts. By their way of thinking, it was time for Jesus to make some sort of a grand entrance into Jerusalem at this festival. To them, I think maybe the things that Jesus had been doing in Galilee must have been unimportant. And they, they told him that if he was to become a big-time, legitimate public figure, he really ought to use this festival for his breakout moment. And they claimed that his disciples needed to see all of this too. Apparently, these brothers hadn't been listening at home around the dinner table when mom told them about another breakout moment that Jesus had. You might remember that moment. Angels singing to shepherds in the field about a virgin who had given birth. Apparently, that breakout moment wasn't all that important to these brothers right now either. In any event, though, Jesus didn't accept their invitation to go with them. He waited a few days in Galilee, and then he made a private entrance into the festival in his own time. Enough, even though he arrived quietly, though, you can see that controversy followed him along the way. So clearly the kind of self-serving, self-promoting breakout moment that Jesus' brothers were encouraging, clearly this would have been inappropriate at the festival, not only for Jesus, but for just about anybody else. And as Jesus talks with his brothers about attending this festival, we realize that they're actually confused on two different levels. First, they were confused about the kind of work that Jesus was supposed to be doing. And secondly, obviously, they had no idea about the right timing of whatever it was that Jesus might need to do. And in short, they were then encouraging Jesus to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. And what the brothers didn't understand is that Jesus wasn't seeking the kind of glory that they had in mind, not at this festival or any other festival. The brothers were focused on a worldly idea of glory. It seems to me that they were looking for some sort of a celebrity Messiah moment. But the world would love to see that kind of moment, I think. It was a, so the spectacle that they were suggesting would probably appeal to many people. But as we consider the attitude of these brothers, we might not want to be too quick to look down on them. After all, I think we run into some of the same problems. Proverbs 25:27 tells us that it's not good, nor is it glorious, to seek one's own glory. And yet, how often do we do exactly that? We seek worldly glory. We go about our days rather comfortable with the idea of selfish ambition and self-promotion and grand plans that we have to bring glory to ourselves. Not only that, but we have troubles with God's timing, too. We have a warped sense of timing, as it turns out, and this warped sense of timing shows up in our lives as impatience and as anxiety. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some people here who can testify that I'm all too familiar with those things, anxiety and impatience, and I'm guessing that, especially at this time of the semester, I'm not alone with that. Now, we know all of this is unhealthy, at the least. We know that it's unproductive, and quite frankly, we know that it's inappropriate in comparison to God's law, and yet we find ourselves doing it anyway. And sometimes I'm pretty sure we'd like to think that Jesus should have been that celebrity Messiah too so that he could just, on a red carpet moment, take away some of the problems and stresses that we have. Jesus, of course, will have nothing to do with any of this, though. He wouldn't accept it from his brothers, and he won't accept it from us either. In fact, the Word of God calls us to turn away from all of this. More importantly, though, what we saw in our passage today 
is that Jesus was preparing a, an alternative for us to turn into. He was preparing something much better for us that we could turn toward when we turned away from all this other inappropriate stuff. You see, Jesus wasn't a glory seeker at all. He was a cross seeker along the way. So after Jesus declined his brother's invitation, he did keep moving toward the cross, as unglorious as that might have seemed. And more importantly, he kept moving according to his own timing. You see, it wasn't as if Jesus didn't want to go to Jerusalem at about this point in, the, in uh, Jesus' life and in his ministry, Luke 9 tells us that Jesus was in fact determined to go to Jerusalem. He set his face toward Jerusalem. And Romans 5, 6 reminds us that at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I, I don't know about you, but last month I had a chance to watch the Winter Olympics a little bit, and I noticed a reoccurring theme as I watched different parts of those Olympics in every competition that I saw, the athletes were very intentional about setting themselves up for the best possible performance at the best possible time. For each athlete, everything seemed to depend on their setup. The skaters choreographed their whole routine so that the big combination of moves would come for them at just the right time. And I remember watching a women's luging competition and being told by the announcer that although the women's luge uh, operator had actually tapped the wall on one particular corner and that slowed her down, it was okay. Because if she slowed down on that one particular turn, it helped her better navigate the, the turns that were coming up so that by the time she got to the bottom of the track, she could be going even faster and have that better time. For her, tapping the wall on that particular turn was all part of the setup. And each athlete and each competitor had a unique way of setting things up for the best possible comp uh, outcome of their competition. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing at this Festival of the Tabernacles. When he said it wasn't the right time, he didn't mean that he just wanted to arrive a little bit fashionably late at this particular festival. He meant that the Festival of Tabernacles itself wasn't the right time for that big entrance into Jerusalem. But it did set up the right time. Jesus did have a public entrance into Jerusalem. In, in fact, it was six months later at the festival of Passover when Jesus would have a public entrance into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Now, this still might not have been exactly what Jesus' brothers had in mind, but you know how the story goes. Within a few days after that entrance, those Jewish leaders did have their way with Jesus. They captured him and they killed him. But you see, that was the moment that Jesus was setting up for. And thanks be to God, his setup was perfect and his execution was perfect too. You see, in his humiliating death, he took the punishment we should have had for all the times that we demand that God do things according to our plans and in our time. Jesus took all of that punishment that we should have had. And then Jesus had one more big grand entrance, didn't he? He left the tomb behind and he entered Jerusalem again, this time in resurrection glory. And the glory of his resurrection did change everything. This perfectly executed and perfectly timed death and resurrection changed Jesus' brothers. In fact, our text today shows that his brothers were unbelieving. But we know that they did eventually come to believe after they saw the death and resurrection. The book of Acts tells us that, tells us that those same brothers witnessed the, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. 
And we know through the book of Acts and through other books of the New Testament that they actually became steadfast proclaimers of the gospel and bold leaders even into martyrdom, bold leaders in the early church. But this perfectly timed death and this perfectly timed resurrection, it changes us too. In it we find that we no longer have need for worldly glory. We can set all of the anxiety and all of the, all of the impatience aside. Instead, in its place then, we find peace with God, and we find peace with each other, and we find peace with ourselves, too. So like those participants at the Festival of Tabernacles now, we have reason for joy as we realize that God has been providing ultimate blessings for us throughout all generations up to this very day. My friends, that is a setup. Praise be to God for it. Amen.